0: Hey there, this is Coach AA, and welcome to the October 18th edition. The three things for today are there three macros, or four are how we can radically rethink our plate, on the advantages of being normal, or not being elite, and the third one can you outrun a bad diet or can I run for 40 minutes and cancel out my ice cream that I'm going to eat later? Well, let's see. On radically rethinking your plate, or are there four macros? First up, no. The theoretical definition. There are three macronutrients. Carbs, proteins, and fats. Carbs are primarily say grains, starchy vegetables, and uh, lentils and legumes are mostly carbs as well. Proteins Dairy does have a lot of protein, but dairy is a more composite food. That is, it has a lot of good carbs and fats as well. Lean meat is the simplest of a protein food. And then fats, or rather dietary fats, predominantly in our oils, let's say. Now, before we... Get to the rethinking our plate part. Let's look at what our plate currently looks like. The typical Indian plate, whether it is, you know, South India, North India, wherever it is, whether we are vegetarian or non vegetarian, the predominant part of our plate is green whether it is rice or roti, the largest constituent of our plate is that grain. Fats, which have a bad rap because a lot of us believe fats make us fat, which is not how it works. And there are fats which are essential to us as well but fats come from whatever oils we use and you know useless oil is a common way to go about it and protein as well protein consumption is pretty low in our country in our culture while dairy is a great source of protein Other forms of protein are limited. Lenten sete do work, but they are primarily carb dominant. So, where does this leave us? Our plate is going to be about 70, 75% carbs and 10 to 15 percent of proteins and fats. For health and for fat loss, we need to tweak how we think about this plate. Now, I'm not going to prescribe any diet, first up. But I just want to take a minute to talk about a keto or a paleo or a low-carb diet. Now, these are These have their advantages and all that, sure, but... That's not how we eat as a culture, as you know, all our lives. This is not how we've eaten. And changing our diet to be a paleo or a keto diet might work as a reset you know, or whatever, but not as a sustainable method of eating for the rest of your life. For that, you got to come back to something that you've always done, something you think of uh, as, this is how I eat. So, even going from the 75, 15, 10, the macronutrient split of your plate to uh, a 40, 30, 30, that is 40% carbs, 30% protein, 30% fats, does not work for a lot of us. Okay, while that is a lot more balanced than going, you know, 5% carbs and 50% fats or whatever, 40-30-30 is a good long-term goal, assuming you find it sustainable. So, let's not even worry about that. I'm gonna give you a radically simple And what I believe is an elegant solution of rethinking our plate. Don't think of it as three macronutrients. Think of it as four. Because it's not just the lack of proteins and fats in our diet. It is vegetables that we miss out on. Okay? Now what happens when grains are our primary source of carbs is... We don't get enough nutrients and we get too many calories. And replacing one grain with another is going to give you very limited dividends because grains are, especially when we compare them to vegetables, drastically lower in nutrients. Okay, sure, one grain might have more trace minerals and nutrients than the other. But switching from rice to quinoa and eating you know, that as your predominant grain is not as powerful as something as simple as eating more vegetables. So, instead of thinking of your plate as 70-75% carbs, 10% protein, 15% fats, how about we look at it as 35%... Carbs, 35% vegetables, and 15% protein, 15% fats. So not much change in how your protein consumption is or your fat consumption is, but as much vegetables as there is grain on your plate. Or just biasing the vegetables a little bit more. This can be sustainable, it doesn't change much of how we eat, and it accomplishes a lot of the things that we really do want to do. Remember, long term, we want to find a sustainable way of eating. So, think about it, and you don't need to rush into this. There is a simple way to invert your plate, which is one spoon of grain out, one spoon of vegetables in, do this for a month and you'll be here. So before you try out a diet that's counter to how you've eaten all your life, just rethink your plate. Well, that's the first one. The second one, the advantages of being normal are of not being elite. We don't need to perform every game day. No, we're not on the TV in front of millions of people our salaries on the line, we don't need to show up every day and train and perform like it is game day because only if you train hard will you be able to, you know, perform on game day. We don't need to play through pain, we don't need to eat a crazy restrictive diet, we're not under the scanner all the time, right? For example, Tom Brady. Tom Brady is one of the uh, all-time best quarterbacks in the NFL. Tom Brady does not eat tomatoes because tomatoes increase the amount of inflammation in his body. So while me and you are thinking about, hey, can I eat pizza or ice cream or things like that, there's this guy who's, well, in the top five, not percent, top five in the world at what he does, well, he forgoes tomatoes for that extra bit of performance. Now, that's the kind of work that goes into being elite, because that might be the difference between, you know, first and eighth in the Olympics, whether you make it or not. We don't have to think of our training or our nutrition that way. And that's awesome. We don't have any pressure on us. Except the unreasonable and silly ones we put on ourselves. So what if we adopt a little bit of the pro attitude but give us enough slack. 80%. 80% is good enough for a lot of us. If you train 80% of the time, that's amazing, right? That's going to be three to four days a week of training, a week. If you eat right 80% of the time, that's still a lot of slack to eat your favorite foods. to not worry about, can I do this or can I do that? Being normal is not a bad thing at all. We should embrace it more, especially when it is to our advantage. We can try to be 100% and push the boundaries on Whatever it is we are specialists in, let's say your job or being a parent, whatever it is that you wanna set a really high standard for yourself. And I'm not saying lower your standards in um, running or cycling or lifting weights or whatever. Just know that you don't have to put silly expectations on yourself We don't have to forego tomatoes, for example. That degree of dedication is unnecessary for almost all of us. 80%, 100% of the time, works wonders. So, relax and embrace being normal. And the final thing for today, can you outrun a bad diet or can I cancel my junk eating with exercise? This is, I'm sure we've all asked ourselves this question. I certainly have. Uh, First up, when I started off with this exercise thing, I, I did not even think about nutrition. I was just excited to exercise. I was excited to run. I was excited to lift weights. And nutrition did not enter my realm of thinking until fat loss slowed down a little bit. And... Initially that's how I thought it worked because I didn't know anything. So if I'm gonna eat, you know, a pizza, well, maybe running for an hour, I can earn that pizza, right? And sounds about right. Especially, now when we put into context, say eating a samosa or eating a candy bar, that's about 200, 300 calories, and if that's all the change you're doing, just that small thing can add up to about 15 kilos of weight gain over a year. That's crazy, right? So, does this way of thinking work? Is that right? Is that wrong? Or Let's clarify. Law of Conservation of Energy says it works. Because eventually, a lot of things are as simple as calories in versus calories out. How many calories are you eating? How many calories are you expending? So, with that lens, this can work. Sure. There's always a but. There are other things that come into play, though. Okay? I'm going to just stick to two. One, these are not the best calories we can put into our system. If I am going to eat ice cream every day, there is a price for that. I'm not realizing it because it's not instant. But eating sugar daily is detrimental to our system, somewhere eventually. And because we will see it only much later, we don't realize this. The second thing I realized when I I did this was I started thinking about good versus bad. Exercise good, because exercise gives me the credit to eat ice cream or pizza, which is bad. And this good and bad thinking eventually you know, screws with your head. For example, let's say I've earned myself an ice cream today and I end up overeating that ice cream. What would happen was I would feel guilty because I ate more ice cream than I had earned. And it eventually just got, got to me. I would try to exercise for longer so I could eat more that night. Not because I wanted to exercise for longer, but I would push past it and be like, when will this end? But you are going to eat more ice cream today. We know it. So might as well do more. So this good and bad thinking is one of the drawbacks of of this uh, crude strategy so this food guilt again not a great long-term way of doing this now how can we think about this Eat your favorite foods, okay? Now, how much? That's the difficult question. But eat your favorite foods. And eat right about 80% of the time. And make sure you are having fun with your activity, whether it's lifting weights or playing a sport or whatever it is. should be having fun and not thinking about it as a chore I have to do to enable me to do something else. So do these because you want to. And the other part about this is you need to figure it out for yourself. Not just about this, honestly, everything. You need to figure out what it means. So this, I'm going to run 500 calories worth. And I'm going to eat 500 calories of my favorite foods. Maybe it's something that'll work for you at a certain point of time. Like when we are starting off. Sure. But not be the best way. Of course not. But maybe it'll do the job. Because instead of trying to figure out what the best is, instead of overcomplicating things for us, you know, you're paying attention to your activity, you're paying attention to your nutrition, and you're trying to find some semblance of control. You now, you have to finish first standard before you go to second standard. You have to finish second standard before you go to third standard. Except in this... life thing, or in this fitness or nutrition thing, it can be crisscrossed. Because depends on how you progress through all of this, through this jungle. So instead of thinking about it as a long-term strategy, if it is a tool in your toolbox, if it is a strategy you try for the short term, it could work. Then later on it might evolve to, I'm going to be perfect during the weekdays and not worry about my weekends. Sure, that's a strategy that can work for a month, a year, a few years. And Wednesday nights and Saturday nights are where I don't think about what I'm going to eat. Every other meal, I'll be you know, 80-100%. to Great. That's Another solid strategy. Now the thing is, we need to keep figuring out what works for us. Some of these will work for sometimes even a long time. But eventually, they might stop working. Don't panic. Nothing's wrong. It happens. You just figure out a new tool, a new way to go about doing these things. So, what does this all mean? As long as you're clear that 400 calories of ice cream and 400 calories of running are not the same because it is a lot more complex and a lot more qualitative than that and you're aware of it and you're using it as a short-term strategy, absolutely, sure, go about it. Do what works for you, okay? No, this is where you should ignore people like me who overcomplicate things. So, do what works. And as long as you're measuring progress, whatever progress means to you, great. But remember, you shouldn't change what progress means to you when you flip to a new strategy necessarily. Like, and the other complicated part is, unfortunately, there is a long-term cost to say, a sugar addiction or whatever addiction, right? You got to be aware of it and know that at some point of time, your strategy needs to evolve. So as a short-term strategy, this might work. Okay? So, hope that's helpful. And with that, we're done with our October 18th edition. Thank you for listening. This is Coach AA signing off. You have a great week, and I will see you here next week.